Welcome to the Next Level Brands Podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today on the Next Level Brands Podcast. We're brought to you today by Kitchen to Shelf, the educational arm of Next Level Brands and providers of online and in-person courses and workshops for CPG entrepreneurs at any stage of growth. If you're selling on a regional basis at farmer's markets or just online, and you want to expand your retail or e-com distribution, you should look into the courses and webinars from Kitchen to Shelf. Want to learn more about distributors or co-packers? Kitchen to Shelf can help you learn what you need to know to grow. More details at kitchentoshelf.com. That's kitchen, the number two, shelf.com. Hi, everyone. This is Steve Clear, and today I'm welcoming to the show Dinesh Tadepali. And Dinesh, actually, you know, I first met at the Fancy Food Show in January in San Francisco when he crushed the Pitch Slam competition. And that seems like that was 10 years ago. But Dinesh is the chief decision maker and co-founder at Incredible Spoon by Planeteer. And that Incredible has actually edible in bold caps, which you can't see because this is audio, but that's what we're going to talk about. He's an engineer, an angel investor, entrepreneur, and a sales wizard. He loves to find frugal, best ROI-based sales and distribution approaches and proven results. He also hikes, he's adventurous, and has an immense passion to leave the planet with a single goal, and that's to preserve nature for future generations, thus growing the company that makes the incredible spoon. Welcome to the show, Dinesh. Thanks, Steve. Such a nice introduction. Oh. Um, so, so we did meet at the show and you did crush the competition. Um, you know, it, it does seem like it was a long time ago, but obviously because of the pandemic and what we've been facing, but, um, has the pandemic, uh, basically in terms of the business and stuff, what, what effect has the pandemic had? Uh, you know, are people more conscious about waste? Are people, uh, no, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to use only metal utensils that I've put into, you know, some type of sanitizer. What's been the effect so far? Uh, uh, yep. So COVID did affect our uh, business like others. Um, uh, we were doing very good on the B2B side. We were actually, our concentration was mostly on the business side of it, like selling to ice cream shops, your restaurants and uh, other uh, caterers and other uh, food service section. But because of COVID, everything is on a pause right now. I wouldn't say it's, 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 uh, it's stopped, but it's on a pause. And that gave us actually an opportunity um, to, to pivot towards B2C and direct to consumer side. And another thing that we noticed is, I mean, this is without any digital marketing or this, or this is without any, any effort from our side. A lot of people started searching for us. Our website traffic before COVID was just 200 to 300 per month. But after COVID, it went up to 4,000 to 5,000 per month. And we were so surprised. It's like, who was talking about us when I'm not selling anything yet? So that's when, actually, that's one of the data that I have that people are looking to do something for the planet because now they realize sitting at home and staying at, I mean, can't go outdoors, can't, they, they, the, the nature restricted people's freedom. And people's, people realized, I mean, at least from my perspective that, okay, we need to do something for the planet. Otherwise, it's going to be harder in the future. And that led us towards the direct-to-consumer and B2C markets. So, Dinesh, it, 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 assuming in, in your background, obviously, it is an engineer. Um, were you sitting around one day and said, wow, we've got a lot of spoon, plastic spoons floating out in the ocean. I need to do that. Or how did the whole idea come about? 
Uh, yeah, so I would thank my children first, actually, because of them, the whole idea came in. So um, when my daughter and my son were born, I was doing some financial planning, how to take care of their future finances and all that. And I, that's when I realized, um, and I used to hike and do a lot of adventure sports in the ocean before. I was, a, I was aware of the plastic pollution and climate change. And I realized what's the point of me securing their finances if they can't enjoy the nature like we do in the future. So that, that is that is the starting point. That is the, the the single thought that triggered everything till now. So I spent my paternity leave and I went and searched for the best alternative to plastic. And we I found my partner Kruvel in India. He was trying to. He was also an engineer by background. He was trying to make a machine that can make edible cutlery. And me also being an engineer by background, we sat together after two years and eighty three trials. We figured out a machine that can make edible cutlery. All right. So I, I think obviously the idea of, of uh, you know, I'm going to eat the spoon that I'm using to, it takes a little bit of education, not, not a whole lot. I mean, I think, I think, you know, enough of us with, let's just say with wooden spoons, chewed on wooden spoons as a kid, we kind of got that idea. But can you tell us a little bit about how, how is the spoon made? What is it made from that? In fact, you can eat it without any problem. Yeah, the spoon is very similar to like a hard biscotti. So biscotti or a cracker. Mm -hmm. So the concept is, I mean, after looking at all the alternatives that exist, we decided that we also need to find a, make a fun quotient to a product to help save the planet. For example, not everyone thinks about the plastic pollution or climate change, but I still can make them contribute to it and without them knowing it because I'm giving them an option to eat it. And that's very, very unique. And actually, I agree that it's a challenge too, but it's also a very unique offering. People are always looking for something new to try. Like just imagine a regular person who doesn't really bother about plastic pollution, but he just thinks, hey, this is so interesting. Let me try the spoon at an ice cream shop. That, that indirectly contributed one, pla one less spoon in the oceans. Right. So yeah, and it's the spoons are made of uh, like whole grains. Uh, it's basically mostly wheat, oat, brown rice, chickpea, and a bit of corn. And it also has all natural flavors, depending on the flavors. We are, right now, we, are, we, we have like six flavors, four savory and two sweet. And it stays firm for up to 45 minutes in an ice cream and about 25 minutes in a hot soup. So it is, it is applicable to both hot and cold foods. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you, you, you have the harness of the idea, and then you attack the engineering part of it. Did you, did you start out thinking, hey, I'm going to sell this to to Baskin Robbins, or I'm gonna, or uh, I'm gonna sell it at Safeway, or from a, what was the business idea behind it? Yeah, great. So first, uh, I, as I mentioned, both of us, both of our co-founders that are from my engineering background, we had zero knowledge about food industry. We only know how to eat food, not to sell food. So, so we decided. What I decided was, um, I spent the entire 2019 going to each and every trade show every month. I think I visited about 10 trade shows, food shows. And I met like about 3000 people and asked them the right questions and figured out, I mean, I wouldn't, I'm still figuring out, right? But I, I, I understood how the food industry works at least to, 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 to be safe, to safely say. And then I realized there's a lot of margins involved in the B2C segment on the retail segment. 
And the cost of the spoon is already a little expensive compared to a plastic spoon because plastics are so cheap. So I was looking at the B2B markets and that made more sense in the, for, with respect to the impact, with respect to the margins and with respect to acceptance. Like I can actually convince an ice cream shop because they are also trying to do something good for the planet rather than convincing 100 customers who are, who are whom I should sell directly. So that was my thought process till COVID. But again, COVID changed it. So we, start, we stuck with only B2B. Uh, last year in 2019 and it was pretty successful i actually got traction from like a 300 ice cream shop chain in the us and right now i'm i'm sampling with a 900 uh, ice cream chain in the europe and uh, and, a, and a very famous pop singer is also is, is planning to endorse us she loves the product so the, a lot of good traction in the first year which is unexpected and by the way the only expense i made was just going to the shows i have not spent any digital marketing or any marketing spend and even the shows i convinced them to give me a free booth because the product is so good <laughs> that's that's awesome yeah it's um you know we we miss the shows at this point i mean yes. we've, we've done a couple of uh, uh virtual things it's still it's not the same same even if you can have right your spoons there and have them try not the same thing as being in, in a room together or coming across which happens i think for your product where a buyer is just wandering past right five different granolas and all of a sudden it's what's that and then goes over and gets into that dis- yeah. discovery. I, 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 miss, I miss really seeing people with the surprises. And, uh, and in fact, you, you wouldn't believe the reason why I named Incredible. Before Incredible, it was called Eco Eats. It's a different name altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then as I went to a lot of shows, I heard this word a lot. As soon as they stopped at my booth, they're like, hey, this is incredible. Hey, this is incredible. So I heard, this, I, I lo- I heard that word so many times. It's like, okay, I should put that as my brand name. I should, I should turn that expression into a brand name and it has edible in it. So it's good for me. This is awesome. So, okay. So um, you kind of got the idea of the business plan and whatever you start putting your team together. Um, did you reach out to basically to on a B2B side to places like ice cream shops or coffee shops first, or did you look at, at, re, at retail for selling like, large packages of, of the spoons. So I started only with the B2B ice cream shops and uh, caterers. In fact, even actually my cold calling and cold emails or cold visiting the stores is like only 20%, 80% of the time, most of the customers that I have are through the shows. So the right. shows helped me a lot. And I did get some interest from like a 2000 retail chain in the US. Uh, but I was, I said, I told them I'll make the, pro, I'll make the retail boxes uh, early 2020. And we made them, we sent like a thousand sample boxes to them and they, 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 they wanted to put it in the store, but they kind of blocked it because of COVID because all the stores got closed. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. So, but again, they just ordered two containers like three weeks ago. So it's good. <laughs> so we, since we move to retail now. Okay. So, and, and how did you, um, because I was just, when you mentioned Europe, we hadn't talked about that before, but, um, certainly a higher level of awareness of reusable and recyclable, whatever in Europe than, than here. Um, did you just decide that you could sell just as well to Europe or how, how did you plan that out? Uh, yes. Yeah. So since our manufacturing facility is in India, uh, so I felt that why should I just restrain myself to one, one nation if I can make the impact as, as much as soon as I can, if I can like if we can pitch this to other 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 countries as well. And I did hear, I mean, I'm just re- repeating a statement that I read online that in Europe, they, they uh, like 
they they all it's not, like in us we still argue to believe whether if climate change and climate change and plastic pollution is true or not but in 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 europe they, there's no point of like whether they believe or not they already know it it's right. they, they're just trying to act on it rather so yeah. i think i think us is catching up but i'm not going to say that us is not going to uh, is is behind some states are actually very very f- looking forward and quite a few com- countries actually banned single use plastic straws and all these so it's it's going there it's getting there yeah it's um so you're familiar, of course, with, as I'm sure most of our listeners are, with the, the sanitary wipes that, you know, you go into the store and you have to, you know, everything off the cart and this, that, and the other, and they use some in restaurants. Mm-hmm. And years ago, I worked with a company who manufactured those, mm-hmm. and we were trying to sell them in B2B to restaurant chains to replace basically dirty rags that you put around the table. And, and so it was a pretty hard fight because just cleaning out dirty rags doesn't cost as much money as these wonderful little things. And then the, the second thing was the perception of, uh, well, if I have this at the front of the store when people come in or the front of the restaurant, people will think there's something dirty in there. That's why they have to have this. So we didn't want that. And for years, it did not take traction. So what the company did strategically is they shifted and went to Europe and immediately got picked up by Carrefour, Tesco, and, you know, and they have a business. Now I'm sure they're doing really well in the United States because there's one of those things everywhere. But there definitely is a different perception and a little bit more, you know, advanced attitude toward those things here. Okay, so we have the spoon. Now, the spoon, obviously, the most used of the utensil, but have you guys been looking at a fork, at a knife? How does that work? Yeah, so yes, spoons are just the beginning. So we are already sampling edible straws and edible spokes with a few few large chains in the the UK and in the US. Yeah, so fork is a little hard for us because uh, the the ends are too thin. So it it, it breaks easily even during manufacturing or even during shipping. So that's why we are planning to stick with the spork right now. When later on, as we figure out more, as we do more R&D, we will be able to try to bring in some spokes. Sorry, forks. Yeah. So, um, all right, and so from a, a cost, and not to, I don't want to dive too deep into the numbers and stuff, but mm-hmm. from a cost standpoint, as you mentioned, plastic spoons are really cheap, but it, is it like 10 times cheaper, five times cheaper? I mean, what's my replacement penalty I have to pay? Got it. Uh, it is actually 10 times cheaper at the moment, but as, as we are planning to scale up the facility and increase the production and increase the automation, actually, that's what we already did the research in the past, past six months when it's a low time for us. And we would be bringing, bringing it down to five times the cost. Like to give an example, right? So two cents, if I consider a plastic spoon to be two cents, right yeah. now it's trending towards about uh, 15 to 20 cents per spoon, but yeah. later it will, it will go down to 10 cents per spoon. That's my goal. And, and I would say that was a huge challenge when I start pitching to a lot of shops, but, but the, the, how we overcame the challenge was I told the shops, don't consume this cost by yourself, pass it on to your consumer and consumer. And the, and I gave them like a hundred spoons for free and say, why don't you try it out at your shop? Ask, ask your customers or consumers to pay for like 25 cents on the spoon. And they love that because they started with 25 cents and there are some shops now who are pay, who are charging 50 cents because similar to a topping, right? For a topping, you'd get charged 50 cents to $1. So yeah, that, that worked out well because uh, now it's a win-win situation because I win, the, the shop wins and the consumer also wins because he finds it, he, he has a unique experience on that day and he's also very happy that he contributed something to the planet. It's, yeah, and part of that also is it's not, obviously not a fair comparison. Uh, it is a large improvement to the customer experience, okay? And you're talking about, you're talking about 15 cents in a discussion 
of a drink that retails for four bucks. Yeah. So it's like, well, wait a minute. It's like, you know, half and half is expensive too, especially compared to, you know, to, to, to 1% milk. So why don't you just offer 1% milk? So yeah, good, uh, a good thing. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I think that choices, if the consumer, again, if the consumer wants to participate and the consumer has to pay a little more to participate, well, that's just validity of the product. Right. Yes. I mean, just, that's fair. And then eventually somebody goes, hey, wait a minute, maybe what we need to do as a company is to make a statement and we're going to make a statement by basically adopting this, and which, I, which I hope is going to go through. Actually, the consumers agreed to us because uh, there was this uh, huge, uh, very premium ice cream brand. Uh, they started a trial with us early in February uh, this year, early this year, February, uh, at, in Minnesota. And the peop- they took a survey after providing the spoons. And the survey results proved that about 90% of the people are willing to pay 25 cents for the spoon. It's a very short survey, but still, the, it, it gave data directly oh, from the right. consumers. Yeah. Right. No, no, it's really good. So, um, so when you guys got together and did this, um, you know, obviously, you, you, I assume you were working, right, jobs, other jobs, whatever, at time did you guys bootstrap this? Did you have an angel friend? How'd you get it off the ground? Uh, so it's all self-funded. I literally sold my home in the Bay Area. I actually bought the home uh, six, six years ago. It was when it was very low. And now I sold it like two years ago when it was quite high. So I made decent profits out of it. And thankfully, I was able to build the facility with some loan from the bank in India and, uh, and, and whatever money I, I took from my home. And I, I was able to build the facility and also spend for my two years in the US. So we, I was able to self-fund it and bootstrap it. And I was very happy. I was very afraid initially. I, I, first of all, I need to thank my wife for agreeing me to do that. Uh, <laughs> yes. So uh, yeah, I, mean, I have two young kids. So it's like, okay, it's a very risky thing to do, but it's okay. Yeah, yeah and, and, and uh, I was very afraid actually. When I, I, rem- I remember in, the first time I pitched the product was in Cater Source in 2019 and during February. Uh, I took like some 10 spoons with me in my hand and a few pamphlets, just a paper printouts. I didn't have any good booth or anything like that. And I got my first order of 150,000 from a caterer in Canada. That, that actually proved that whatever I did so far is okay. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a bad thing to do. It's not a risk that I took. And, and, our, and our friends who are caterers, uh, this has been a very bad year for them too. So, yes, uh, yes. So, but that will, that will hopefully come yeah. back you know, sooner, sooner rather than later. Um, so, Plans next for expanding? How are you, uh, do you need to expand production at this point and how are you gonna manage that? Yes, right now our capacity is maxed out to making like 30 to 40,000 spoons per day, not more than that, uh, because we don't have space or no other machinery right now. So, and we, ought, we also want to introduce edible straws and edible sporks and few other edible shapes, like even edible chopsticks. Uh, we got a request from a huge packaging company in Japan for a chop, edible chopstick. Sure. Yeah, so, so we are working on the prototypes and working with these companies, but again, uh, to, in order to fulfill all this in the near future, we are planning to expand it in such a way that we can make about a million edible cutlery, including spoons, straws, forks, and chopsticks uh, in the future per, per, per day. And, uh, and, and by the way, uh, we are, that's the reason why I'm kind of looking for funds, but it's very hard to pitch to, pitch to traditional VCs. Being an angel investor myself, I know that I, we look for returns a lot of time, but I'm looking for someone who can help us with like, you know, it's okay if you give me like only two to three times the, two, two to three times the return, but uh, the impact is more important. Like I can, I want to, like literally I want to make like reduce 100 million plastic utensils by 2025. I, I'm, I'm reaching the, I already reached the goal of 1 million this year. So I have like 99 million to go. <laughs> from, from the capital um, 
capital side and capital intensive side, uh, is the manufacturing process where you really have to put the money in to expand it at this point, or is it marketing and sales and? Uh, that's a that's a great deep dive into it. So we we are expecting we don't obviously we don't put everything uh, onto the manufacturing. We will put about like forty percent of it to the manufacturing, and the rest thirty percent we want to hire people. Right now it's just two of us, and again we have our own full time jobs doing our to take care of our families. Yep. So so we're doing it like every day in the night seven a.m. to seven p.m. to eight two a.m. Every day, so it's it's a pretty hard. I mean, we want to hire people, the right people actually, because we want to hire someone from food industry, and who's willing to work for us. And we also have smart ways to do it, not just hiring and giving some salary, but we're planning to open up a new mini distribution center, like hire the people in different regions of the U.S., and they will be given uh, like free rental homes. Basically, we will invest in the building some like buying some homes, and they will act as a mini warehouse as well as a mini distribution center that will save us a lot on shipping. The reason I'm doing this is right. uh, all the third-party fulfillment centers I try to work with, they're too expensive because every every dollar that's going to increase my unit cost will actually fire, I mean, defeat my purpose of defeating plastic. So it, it will hinder my purpose of defeating plastic. So I need to find some innovative ways. So right. in this... Yeah, in this way, I will build assets for the company and I'll also make sure give free rents to the employees and they, they take care of the fulfillment uh, in their local areas. That's a great idea. Absolutely Thanks. great idea. And then from a manufacturing standpoint, now um, you're manufacturing in India now. Uh, can you bring manufacturing eventually to the US or to North America, South America or wherever? So it's not... Yes, yes, I, I agree. Uh, in fact, the freight is one of the lead, leading contributions to the carbon footprint, and we are actually taking care of that by planting trees. So uh, we, are take, we are trying to be carbon negative, but again, as we automate more, right now it is not completely automated. So there's quite a few labor intensive work there. And, uh, and another reason why I stayed with India for now is I want to help people who are living under $4 a day. Sure. So we, we already provided 30 people of, who were living under $4 a day and provide them, provided them full-time opportunities with the benefits. So I want to impro- improvise the people as well. So that's why I started there. But again, it doesn't mean to say that I will only be there or any other place. We will, we will expand it as the demand needs it, depending on the look in strategic locations. And Denise, did you look in to partners with people like the suppliers of chickpea or uh, uh, your other components? for saying, hey, this, is, this represents an incremental usage of your product. Uh, unlike kale, where, you know, here today, gone tomorrow. Uh, to see if maybe, you know, again, funding or something could come from one of those partners as well as just traditional VC. That's a very nice approach that you mentioned. I, I, frankly, I didn't even think about it. So right now we are sourcing from like farmers, which are like local to our uh, area, the factory where we have. So we have not really thought about uh, signing up with the ingredient suppliers to see how this can be pitched towards them. Because sometimes you can have a strategic partner in, mm-hmm. in that. And mm-hmm. I interviewed someone on the podcast a, a while ago who's in the beverage uh, business. And his largest distributor on the East Coast became his partner when he went to do his, his fundraise. Okay. The distributor great, said, great. oh, you're looking for how much? How much are you looking for? Because I, I, I'm, I'm sort of invested anyway, right? Because I'm your co-packer yeah. Yeah. Uh, or distributor rather. And uh, he said, you know, uh, we, we, can make a, we can make a deal. And wow, so that, so that sometimes works. Good to learn this from you. I have not thought about this, frankly. It's a different, yeah. <laughs> different way of looking at it. Who's got, yes. who's got something to gain from my growth? Uh, and- uh-huh. Uh, you're also a, a bit of a risk spread 
uh-huh. right? So that's right. right because it's not it's not a traditional use for the good, mm-hmm. and so you know you present an incremental opportunity. And uh, one another uh, one concern, not concern, I would say a caution that I put myself first. I need to really pick my partners in the right way because right now, as you can see, none of us are taking any penny out of the profits. It's going right. back to the planet yeah. and we are having very, very minimal margins. So we expect once we scale, the margins will be healthier. So not everyone would be uh, agreeing to this. So that's that's <laughs> the thing, right? I, I need the right mindset to be a partner uh, I mean, on top of giving us strategic advice and strategic uh, expansion capabilities. So, um, and by the way, we are, as a startup, we just don't reduce plastic. We plant trees. We also upcycle the factory waste uh, yep. to, uh, to, to actually bake into biscuits to feed stray dogs and stray livestock in, the, in, in India. So we also do that. And we, we, we only use solar-based solar electricity as much as we can if it's a, uh, when it's available for, for our machineries. Sure. And we're, we're doing as much as we can. And obviously the employment opportunities, uh, like doing social justice to the people who are not, not in, the, in, the, in, a good, in a good shape. So, so as a startup, and we're doing so much of these, uh, obviously the margins are less. It's not as high as expected, but we expect it to scale. Once we scale, it will be a healthier margin. I'm more happy to contribute to, to the greater good rather than making money right now. Yeah, and, it's, it's, and, and that's great, great to hear. I mean, having, having the mission is really important, but it's also one of those things that, kind of goes in, in stair steps, but the steps aren't all the same size. So mm-hmm. to reduce, you know, you're reducing your costs and stuff, you may have to stretch from, uh, you know, the five gallon pail to the 55 gallon drum. And in between there, there's no discount, let's say, right? It's, <laughs> so you got to make that, that leap. And, uh, but I, I think from, you know, certainly from people's attention to this, mm-hmm. and again, if I was a franchisee for a company and I want to make a statement about, right ecology and what we feel about the planet uh i would be very open to seeing it and you know getting the consumer to share the cost as you mentioned is absolutely great but um great awareness campaign by the way you know if i again if i was franchisee i would use it as an awareness campaign for my franchise yep, we're doing this you know and we're helping in helping it out um what Dinesh, the, the terrible stats of the plastic floating around in the in the ocean. I mean, we hear all kinds of things. What? How bad is it really? And uh, it's it's quite bad. There are two things which always uh, scares me. One is by 2050 there would be more plastic than fish in the oceans, and uh, and we are still using like up to 100 million plastic utensils per day in the U.S. It's just in the U.S. per day. So it's, it's, it's how dire that situation is. And actually, frankly, that's a total addressable market as well. But again, nature is not just sitting quiet. Another thing that recently the research showed and a lot of articles in the news recently, the nat- nature is actually grinding them, making them into microplastics and giving it back to us. So right now they measured microplastics in the rain, in the sea breeze, and even national parks, which are in the central United States, where there's no, no, no way of wind can bring in right. microplastics to that area. So it looks like nature is putting back it in the life cycle, in the food cycle, and bring, giving it back to us. So that's what scares me because my kids after 20 years, how, how are they gonna not eat any more plastic? No, through any food that they touch. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and, 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 and scary, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and another, I mean, another reason why I pressed on to this plastic issue is climate change can be easily felt. So people are more aware and they're more willing to do something about it. But plastic pollution is an equal threat, but people still don't look into it that much because it, you can't, you, you're not affected by it directly yet. 
so you right. you you only read about it and if you read about it it gets into your heart and you forget it after a few days so climate change is something like it you can see that every day so you will you will take it seriously <laughs> yeah so and 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 if if the tides changed and the plastic was washing up on Miami on the yeah, beach then, in Miami yeah. Yeah. You bet there would be a big change coming quickly. Yes, yes, yes. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, um, Denise, let me ask you, because the audience uh, is made up of a lot of fellow entrepreneurs uh, who are going to enjoy a lot of the stuff you put forth here. Um, but looking back just in the short history, but what was the biggest challenge that you had to overcome in getting the uh, Incredible Spoon out there? uh the two i would say one oh, one as biggest challenge is basically find, finding i mean inventing the machine to make the spoons or to make the cutlery at a scale at a, at a mass manufacturable scale uh, and i really thank my partner kruvel for that uh, 60% of the brains are his i'm just 40% so that's one challenge that we had and uh, and uh, the second challenge is being new to the food industry and understanding the food industry and placing the product in the right place in front of right. the right consumers that was a pretty good challenge too but i i like the challenge because it 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 made me very active than i was before then i was just doing a single job or trying to invest in some other companies because i'm i felt that i'm doing something good for the planet and some unknown force kind of like okay hey i need to do something better i need to, every every night i spend like one one hour thinking what can i do next to make it better so uh, that challenge actually turned myself into a better person and and it changed my lifestyle too in the sense i don't use any takeout i mean i try to minimize the takeouts and even if i do i clean i wash the i wash the takeout containers so that it it can be recycled if it really gets recycled so and i i minimize the plastic consumption i, I completely absolutely minimized it and i'm i'm not even buying any clothes thinking looking at even polyester is causing to plastic pollution so yeah. it's a lot of changes have happened and my son is looking at it and i'm more happy that he's following my footsteps i'm not even telling him do this do that but he's looking at him he's looking at me and say why is dad doing this let me also follow it so i want that change to happen in the next generation so absolutely so um dinesh where can people find out more information about credible spoon sure uh, you can you can visit our website at uh, www.incrediblespoon.com i repeat it's incrediblespoon.com and uh, and you can also email us at info info at planetierllc.com the, the the email and the phone contact information is all is also on the website so the website is the best way Absolutely. to contact us and when we do the mailing we'll mail it out with the show as well well right. hey thanks so much yeah, thank for you. coming on the show and talking about it and we want to we will have you back again after your stuff is in a couple of big chains around the <laughs> which i'm sure it will be yeah um, so if if you if you if you are off the record uh, i can tell you actually are we off the record or no 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 we're still on okay so okay we'll, we'll we'll talk about that we'll, we'll talk about that but yeah no i uh, really appreciate it and i think one of the things tanish too i was so excited when you when you won the the slam pitch because the product makes so much sense mm-hmm. uh, although there's been maybe a little setback from the pandemic mm-hmm. uh, especially you mentioned takeout and whatever else there's also been i think a heightened consumer awareness all over of health of ecology of and you notice the uptick on your website i think that's going to just resurge and bound as soon as we get back to whatever the the new quote unquote normal is so we'll see but anyway thanks again and thanks by the way to all of you out there for joining us today on the next level brands podcast we are brought to you today by kitchen to shelf the educational resource for cpg entrepreneurs and emerging brands Kitchen to Shelf is the home of To Do Tuesday, a weekly short reach out hosted by K2S co-founder Deborah Armstrong. Every Tuesday, she outlines a simple to-do that will keep you 
uh, keep you accountable and help you accomplish larger goals in your business. You can find To Do Tuesdays every Tuesday on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and at kitchen2shelf.com. That's kitchen2shelf.com. This is Steve Clear, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at Next with two X's, levelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.